0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. <laughs> so let's pray. Lord, um, Lord, this is your church. You are in charge, and we are your servants. And our job, Lord, is simply to obey you, to obey you at every level, to obey you individually when we're at home in our relationships at work. Lord, when we read your word, to to listen to what you you say and and obey that. And Lord, when we pray, Lord, we pray to seek your will, to hear your voice. And Lord, once you speak, Lord, it's up to us to obey. And even as a church, even as a leadership, Lord, above all else, we want you. We want to hear your voice. And Lord, we will obey. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So I spent a lot of time this week working on a great message, if I do say so myself. Um, I have 14 pages, close to 40 slides. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I really felt on the way over here (laughs) that the Lord wants me to change it up. Yeah. So... (laughs) And I didn't even bring my Bible because I had everything here and the scriptures up there. So I went in the office and I got this clunky old Bible. It has four versions. So I'm going to read out of it. So you're going to need a Bible or your phone today. So nothing's on the screen. Yeah, this is kind of old school. Um, You know, we've been talking as a staff, like what are our values as a staff, as a church, as our team? And we're still working through that. But one of the things that we all really kind of came in unison right away was to be led by the Holy Spirit. And even in our church services. So we kind of like we haven't actually finalized it. So I'm sort of jumping the gun here. But we're going to have a plan A and a plan B. Now a plan B is... You know, what we feel during the, 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 during the week to do, and we come up with an order of service that kind of gives us a schedule. And that's a good thing. We, we don't want to just come in and, and be reckless. But, and that's plan B. But we also, our plan A is to do whatever God wants us to do. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought God was going to give me a little bit more time to prepare this. And you know, it's all about risk too, because in life, whenever you do, whenever you have a choice and oftentimes you're at at a decision, there always involves risk. And I remember, you know, when I got married, it was like, I was so scared to get married and you know, it was a big risk and like, what if I'm making a mistake, but I did it and you know, I felt God leading me there and it's been great. Same with my house. I was I loved being flexible, renting, and I was always an apartment manager, so I never had to pay rent. So I was always in a good spot. And then my wife's like, no, we got to buy a place. And so we did it, and I was so scared to sign those, you know, documents of, of loan documents. You ever bought a house, and the loan documents are like a book, like this thing. And I was scared. And then when I joined staff here, I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. It's scared. But every time God prompts you to do something, there's a risk involved. And what does risk involve? Sometimes just good old-fashioned sweat. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, am I doing the right thing? So that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I'm just sharing. Um, But I really feel my boss, God, Jesus, and I don't mean to seem super over-spiritual, is impressing me to do this. Um, So I'm going to start out with um, something God showed me in January of 2019. And I was here in the sanctuary. It was a Friday. There was a couple people here. We, were, we had opened the sanctuary up for prayer. And we were towards the end of our fast. And I remember I was laid out on one of those seats trying not to fall asleep because <laughs> um, it was quiet. It was dark. Um, but I was awake and I had this impression and it was like I saw kind of a vision. It was in my mind's eye and what, it, what I saw was over this church, there was a structure of a waterfall. And um, it was dry. There was no water coming. And I, and, and I, I think I kind of questioned, I was like, why isn't there any water? And then behind the waterfall, it was attached to a river. And the river was dry, too. And I said, well, what, you know, and so I, I just kind of knew that the reason there's no water coming on the waterfall is because there's no water in the river. You know, logical. But I felt the Lord say the promise of God over heritage is there is a waterfall. And when the river is full, and the river, I believe, is the Holy Spirit, when it rains down, we will be a place where the Spirit of God comes and flows. And it was beautiful. And... I guess I've had, you know, everybody has sort of their leanings. Some people lean more towards this direction or this direction. And that's kind of a a leaning of mine. I've always been fascinated with revivals of move of God, the Holy Spirit coming. So I'll admit that up front. So I thought, you know, is that just me? So I kind of put out a fleece. And this was probably the, the most specific fleece I ever put out in my life. And um, then I'm, as I've mentioned before, some of you who don't know, I play roller hockey with my son on Saturday mornings. Once in a while, we're on a good team and we do well. And so that was a Friday. The next day, we had our championship game, and we've been in the championship several times, and we always lose. Um, so I said, Lord, if that's true, let us win our game tomorrow, and let the score be seven to five. It was specific. So, <laughs> um, so sure enough, you know, we actually started winning and we were up like six to two. And there was like five minutes left. And all of a sudden the, te- the other team got momentum. And then um, they were winning. I mean, they had scored about four or five unanswered goals and we had about a minute left and it was six to five. They, if you know anything about hockey, if you're desperate, you pull your goalie to get an extra skater on, on the surface. And so they pulled their goalie, and then with 20 seconds left, one of our guys got it. He shot it into the empty net, and we won seven five. And then, yeah. And, so, and then I went home, and I was like, oh, it was just such a promise. I was like, wow, God, so this is really going to happen? You know, I have no idea what that looks like. Sometimes these visions, you know, we see them, but we don't know how to interpret them. But then I went back, and I looked at all the schedule for all the games that whole season. There was not one game where the score was seven to five. So, um, so I, I. But as soon as I started um, looking that, looking, um, thinking about that vision, I, I found myself in Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. So, can you turn to Ezekiel chapter forty-seven? Ezekiel is one of those Old Testament prophet books, buried deep inside the Old Testament. You probably. Haven't read it too much, you know. Most of us haven't. It's it's a little obscure. It's about this guy. He's a prophet. His name is Ezekiel, and God tells him uh, what to say. He goes to Israel, and Israel was in a bad state. They had been backslidden, and he throws out all these prophecies. and And then he comes to the latter part of the chapter. I mean, of the book, he basically starts talking about the temple, and he gives them uh, blueprints in drawings of how to build this temple. And, um, and then in, verse, in chapter 47, he kind of talks about a promise that what will happen in this temple. And it's, about, it's a promise of water. It's called the river from the temple. Is everybody there? Chapter uh, Ezekiel 47, and I'm going to read out of the New International Version. So Ezekiel's having this vision with this man. Uh, And it says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple, temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out to the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, which is about 1,700 feet, and then led me through water that was ankle-deep. So he has this, this man kind of shows him something's happening in the temple. And this water is somehow seeping out for the temple and going out for the temple. And it levels off at about ankle-deep. And then, um, let's see, and then he measured off another 1,000 cubits and he led me through water that was knee-deep. So as as he was showing him, as he was going, first the water was ankle-deep, and then it was knee-deep. And then he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. And so when you're in water, and when you're in ankle water, you're in control, you know? And if you've been walking and your feet are tired, isn't it nice you've ever been on a hike and you just put your feet in the water and it feels really good? And it kind of cleans your feet. They smell good again. (laughs) Um, And then you get to knee deep. And it's a little harder to walk, but you're still in control. Sometimes you can take big steps and and you're still in control. And then you get to waist deep. And if the river's really rushing, you might actually start losing control. But if you grab something, you probably can stay in control. And then um, in verse 5, he says he measured off another... um, I'm sorry, uh, verse 4, 4b. Uh, four, four he measured off another thousand, led me through water that was up to my waist. And then he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one can cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? So finally he led him to this river and the, the level was so high that he had to swim. And when it's high, like that, you can't touch the ground you know you, you know when you're you you're in the ocean and you go just beyond where you can touch and you're kind of wading and if there's a riptide you're out to sea, or if there's a wave coming, you know it could possibly take you in, but basically you lose control, and sometimes we ask like God, you know we want your life, we want the Holy Spirit, we want the river of life to come, and sometimes We just want it to be ankle-deep because we we like to have control. And then we say, well, you know what, let's get a little bit more. Let's get some some knee, knee water in. You know, maybe a healing or two, maybe a deliverance or two, maybe a salvation or two, and then it goes to your waist and you lose no control. But once it gets really high, you really lose control. And I guess that's a question. Are we willing... At what level do we really want God to move? You know, and I'm not just talking on Sunday mornings, but in your life. Because when the river is so high and you're swimming out there and you feel this current and it's taking you maybe somewhere you don't want to go and you're losing control, it's a scary thing. And I wonder if God is trying to get a hold of us individually and as a church Where we completely let go. What's the difference between a horse and a seahorse? A horse has four legs. They're grounded. You know, you're on a horse. It can gallop and you're sturdy. It can probably go up to water. Like, it could cross rivers. But a seahorse has no legs. It just flows with the river. You know? And they're both horses. One's in control. One's not. Um... But I wonder if God wants you to completely give everything up to him and let him lead your life in every single way. Amen. Let's go on. So, so he asked, hey, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on, on each side of the river. And trees often symbolize life. You know, when there is water, when there is rain, it's lush. Isn't it beautiful? You look at our our lot two over here now. I mean, in summer, in August, that thing is barren. There's no life. And look at it now. It's lush. It's beautiful. It's green. What's the difference? Water. And when the water comes in the natural, things get beautiful. Like if someone would visit California now, they're like, man, you guys got a green state. It's like, well, come back in August. It's a little different. And the difference is water. When there's water, there's life, and there's beauty, and there's health. And then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to to Arabia, where it enters into the sea. And it says, when it enters into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. So this water that was flowing from the temple becomes so big, it's this river, and the river's dumping into the ocean, and as soon as it dumps into the ocean, according to this vision, the water goes from salt water to fresh water. What's the difference between salt water and fresh water? Salt water, unless you're a fish, you'll die. <laughs> you know, drink salt water. You'll, you'll die a quicker death than if you don't drink anything. And fresh water is where life is, at least life on earth. Everything needs fresh water. And that's, isn't that a picture of What we have in god fresh water that brings life versus the salt water that everybody else is is drinking out in the world and they drink salt water and they wonder why they don't have any life in them no peace no salvation no you know they're fearful it's because what they're drinking is bad but when the lord moves in us and we take it out it it brings fresh water it brings life Um, And then it says, swarms of living creatures will live where the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And it's another picture. When the water of life comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, it brings life. And what do fish represent? Well, didn't Jesus tell Peter, I will make you a fisher of men? It's a representation of souls of salvation and i don't know about you but i love our church but one of the things i want is i want to see people saved every single sunday here it's kind of been a while you know if we're really honest to ourselves it's been a while since we've had someone come and they say you know i was i was lost but now i'm found you know, I was dead. I didn't know. And then Jesus came and changed my life. And you know, we can't manufacture salvations. It's not our job. We didn't die for them. But when we allow God to move, that's his business. And he will do it. When the water of life comes, life will come. It'll bring frit, fish. It'll bring, so to speak. We'll have souls. And it says um, in verse 10, Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englada, and there will be places for spreading their nets. What does that tell me? That we'll become soul winners again. That we'll go out and we'll be fishermen again. And, you know, uh, Jesus told Peter, I want you to be a fisher of men. I think that applies to us too. And when the water comes, when the river comes, wouldn't it be so great? If, yeah, we saw salvations here, but at your work, at your job, we saw, you know, you're, you're fishing over there too, and people are getting saved. You know, I was kind of young about the, with the Jesus movement, but you know a lot of people experienced that here, and it was like the Jesus movement, it was like everybody everywhere was talking about Jesus, and people were getting saved and it wasn 't some deep theological debate or knowledge. it was so simple, but the, the, it was like the water of life flowed and and there were souls, and people got saved. a lot of you got saved. I know Rick yeoman's talked about it. that was his error, and he got saved and look at him forty years later, still doing god 's work that 's what I want. You know God showed me kind of a picture sometimes the church and i 'm not talking just this church sometimes we're like we're we're boats the um, an analogy of a church would be like a boat, and oftentimes we almost uh have the attitude like the church is a boat it's like a cruise ship you know we're just here for your pleasure we'll give you great food all you can eat anytime we'll be there for you the captain of the cruise ship anybody take a cruise and the captain he's walking around yes hello there and you know i don't know if he's actually driving he probably doesn't he's just this figurehead and he's like whatever you need we'll come and we'll do it and then there's the fishing vessel where you have the captain of the ship he's like hey Throw the net on this side. You'll get some. Hey, all these fish are coming in. It's, yeah, it's going to mess up the deck we just cleaned because fish are messy. But isn't that what God calls us to be? Fishing vessels, not a cruise ship. And if we let the Holy Spirit come, I think that we we have a chance. And then it gives a warning in verse 11. It says, but the swamps. And oops, the swamps. Uh, this is a. I know, but this kind of stops here in this Bible. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah, sorry. But the marshes and swamps will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. What is a marsh? A marsh is a body of water that has no inlet and outlet. There's nothing flowing through there. And what eventually happens, it gets stinky, algae, you can't drink it. The fish will eventually die in there and it gets greenish and you look by and you think that's the last place I'd ever want to go, let alone drink. And when we don't let the Holy Spirit flow in our life, when we don't let God move in our life, I wonder if we too can be in danger of becoming a marsh. And I wonder when the world looks at us, they're like, why would I want to be a marsh? You know, I want to have living water. I want to have something that's alive. And it goes on and it says fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Isn't that we want? We want to have fruit, fruit that remains. We want to be fruit trees. We don't want to just be barren trees. Remember Jesus, he saw that, I think it was the fig tree. And he wanted to take a, a, a bite from the fig tree. And there was no fig tree, so he cursed it. Even Jesus, he wants fruit in our lives. And wh- what is that fruit for? It's to bring him glory. That's what the Bible says. So when we have water, when we have the Holy Spirit, we become trees with all kinds of fruit. And it says, their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Sometimes we can work so hard for the kingdom of God and in our own strength, our fruit doesn't really last. But when God does it through us, the fruit will remain. And when we die and go to heaven, that fruit will still be there. It says every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. And it says their fruit will will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Wouldn't you like your life to be summed up as fruitful and healing to people around you, to your family? And they have this fruit that God cultivated in your life and what did you do? Did you do anything special? Not really. You just let God work in your life. You let God flow in your life. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 22. You ever hear that term? I read the back of the book and we win? Well, this is the back of the book. <laughs> um, so, Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. And this is our promise, too. And this was John having a vision and he was also led by uh, like an angel or I believe or it was it was a, a figure in heaven. And it said he this person pointed out to me a river of pure water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb coursing down the center of the main street that's the streets of gold. On each side of the river grew trees of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. With a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. My question is, is this river only to be seen or experienced when we die and go to heaven? I hope not. Because it says it's for the nations. The nations are here on earth. Can't we get a taste of the river of pure water of life? Clear as crystal. And where does it come from? It originates with God and the Lamb, who is his son, Jesus Christ, who, has died, for, who died for us. That river of life. Isn't it simple? If we could just have the river of life in our, in our hearts, in our quiet times, in our homes. Imagine how peaceful your home would be if the river of God just flowed right through it? well, I think the difference is we just have to invite him to come. Amen. A marsh puts up barriers or walls and it's like, no, I have enough. This is good enough. I'm going to stay put. And it says the marsh eventually becomes salt. And salt is indicative of, of a death. But there's there's a fresh water. The water of life. So after... After I, I had that impression of that promise of God over heritage, that waterfall, I happened to go, you know, I, I, I was more akin to, to looking for scenes of the river of life of, or the river of God. So I went upstairs in the hallway. Rick Delante, Delante um, he has uh, some, some paintings, and most of them are of water. And two of them were of water flows, of waterfalls. So I invite you sometime, when you think of it, go upstairs and look at him and take it in. And I believe that's God's promise for us here, that God wants to flow. God wants to move. And all we have to do is invite him. It's his church after all. We can't figure this out. And you know what? Um, God didn't put the most experienced team together to lead this church, if we're honest. Kind of a bunch of rookies, myself being the biggest. <laughs> However, is God looking for professionals? Is God looking for people who have it all figured out and just need God to come to help bless their plans? Or is God looking for kids? It says the kingdom of God, what does it say? Uh, you know, it, it, it says... Yeah, you have to be. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be like little children, in other simple hearts of the heart, hearts that are simply following Jesus. All the disciples, Peter, he was an uneducated, unschooled, very coarse fisherman. You know, he didn't know the protocol, but he knew Jesus, and he got to the place where he said, "Where will we go? I'm not going to leave you because you have the words of life." So, I feel that's what God wanted me to, to speak about. Hopefully I'll be able to share um, this amazing message next week <laughs> that I spent half the week preparing. Um, but I wanted to invite the worship team up, and I wanted to simply let God flow. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to Heritage SC dot o r g